Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here, and this is The Doug Show. I have my friend on today, Miles Beckler, and Miles, how are you doing today? I'm awesome, man. Thanks for having me on, Doug. Of course, it's always great to catch up, and I'm glad that we connected today because it looked like maybe it wasn't going to happen. What, what was going on over at your place today? Power outage, um, last minute, you know, 30 minutes till recording, and everything just goes down, and I'm like, well... That's the way the cookie crumbles. So uh, started a fire in the in the basement fireplace and kind of mapping out my next product I'm going to create. And then it came back on and I said, Doug, let's do it. And we're late, but better late than never. It worked out wonderfully and happy to be talking to you. Now, for people that don't know you, Miles, can you give a quick intro about what you yep. do and maybe a little on your background too? For sure. So I started making money online in 2003. Um, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area during the dot-com boom. I graduated high school in 99, right during the dot-com boom. So like this idea of making money from the internet and online just made sense to me. Uh, first business in 03 fell apart within a year. I was essentially spamming MySpace. I was not building a list. I was doing affiliate marketing. Wife and I co-founded a website in 09. So there were six years of trial and error trying a lot of different things. We co-founded a WordPress website in the meditation space in 09. That has grown wonderfully. It's still hyper profitable today. It's one of our core brands. In 2016, I started teaching everything we did to grow that brand for free on YouTube under the Miles Beckler brand. That's got 180 something thousand subscribers. It's also hyper profitable at this point, even though I give away all the how-to information for free. And um, then I bumped into Doug along the path and we have conversations from time to time. So here we are today. 180,000. I didn't know your channel had Not. grown that much. Yeah, man. And Congrats. it's growing slower now than it, than it has in the past, right? Like you notice it, like we have these kind of everything ebbs and flows in this universe we live in. Um, so I'm kind of on the lower end of it, but um, the compounding effect of publishing really valuable content with a tiny smidgen of effort towards keyword research and, and, the basics of optimization, the compounding effect of that is, is real. So I get 150,000 views a month. I publish four videos a month and I just, just consistent as can be. It's amazing. I think I'm doing something wrong, but that'll be another therapy session for uh, another conversation here, but congrats. That's uh, amazing. And I'm just curious from someone who has been making videos roughly the same mm -hmm. amount of time as you, but, um, a more a modest following, but how has it changed from 2016 to, to 2021? Yeah, right. What year are we in? Um, and the one, the one data point I will throw is I've published about 700 videos total. And I have commented, I've put over 30,000 comments myself on my channel. I've, I've answered every single comment personally. So I've done kind of a lot of the unscalable things. In the beginning on YouTube, I was publishing one video per day, every day for 120 consecutive days. It was four months of almost torture. Uh, it is really difficult to find the life energy to publish a video every day. And I did it. And that was partly to kind of like, uh, break my belief that I wasn't a content creator. I was the behind the scenes guy in my wife's brand. Um, and it was also just to flex the muscle enough times over to get comfortable with the process. Uh, and then I shifted to three videos per week. I ran at three videos per week for three years straight. Um, and then recently I've been doing one video per week. And as I said, my, my, you know, my numbers are a little bit down right now because I'm applying less energy, right? But I'm, I'm working on different phases of my business. And, you know, for people listening, it's just 
there's always room at the top is one of these ideas I've always had. And me coming in and breaking into the internet marketing space, which is obviously a hypersaturated space. And there's obviously some very skilled competitors in our space. Um, it was really to prove that, that you can just walk onto the scene if you have the goods and you really can make a name for yourself through hardcore effort. But now I'm at this new phase and there's totally an opening, right? Somebody who wants to do a video a day every day and give as much or more value than I gave in all my videos, there's an opportunity to overtake me. And every business, every competitor you have in your niche, um, obviously speaking to the viewer here, this is how it works, right? So yes, there's established players sitting on the top of Google right now. Uh, but if you create more valuable content, right? Like higher value in the content, like more utility value in every piece that you publish, and you publish more frequently than they do, it becomes a mathematical kind of guarantee that at some point you will overtake them as long as you apply that force long enough. So um, I took that path. Now I'm working on some other areas in my business and uh, my organic marketing's a little lower. I'm focused more on uh, email list growth and kind of the monetization side, creating some little products, which is kind of a new thing for me. Um, and that's kind of in the evolution in a way. About, I guess a couple of years ago, you started a case study mm -hmm. in affiliate marketing. And actually, I think that's how our paths sort of uh, crossed because I was doing a lot of Amazon affiliate stuff. So yeah. this is sort of the, the main topic for today that I want to dig into. So the site is about two plus years old. Can you talk about the inception of this case study and then where yeah. we are right now uh, yep. in the summer of 2021? Totally. So the, the website is two years and, and about one week old as of this moment. So we're right at the two year mark. Um, as I created my brand on YouTube, documenting the process while I was putting out the, the content, people kind of had this like, well, yeah, Miles, like that's easy for you to do because you're an expert, right? Like it's that whole idea of expertise. And it's like, well, oh, it's easy for you to build a brand from scratch because you're an expert. Uh, and I wanted to prove to people that that I could go, that anyone could kind of go into a space they're not an expert in. And if you apply the right amount of force, like enough force with the right strategy, you're going to create results, period. Like it just happens. So I had the idea, I was literally in the back of an Uber in Santa Monica going to a speaking engagement where I was teaching Facebook ads. And I bought a pre-made website from uh, one of the vendors. It was like $1,200. It came with like uh, six posts in the ebook. I think we had to rewrite all six posts and never use the ebook. Um, but it was literally, it gave me the option to scroll through a list of uh, potential niches and just choose something. And I chose a niche uh, that I kind of, I know something about them, but I'm absolutely not an expert. And from there, I wanted to outsource all of the work. And so this is like, oh, well, Miles, you, you invested so much on this because you outsourced it all. Uh, that was because I didn't have the time to do it. I have a, you know, I'm running a million dollar plus digital publishing business. I don't have time to start back over myself and write every post by hand, but that's how we built our business. That's how I built my, my brand and my channel was doing every single word on every single post every time. So I hired some like 15 to $20 an hour help and they did everything on this website. Uh, total over the course of two years is about 150 posts published focused, you know, keyword research. I'm, I'm just a keyword research geek. So it's always focused on the keywords. Um, it took like eight months for us to make our first dollar. I think it was like 70 posts over the course of eight months to see the first dollar. And it went from like a dollar 50 to four to $80 to $500 to $2,000. Um, at the peak in December, uh, November of last year, it was making $11,000 a month or more, maybe $12,000 a month or more. 
And then I got punched in the face with the uh, Google algorithm update from December 2020. And my income went from over, I think it was over $12,000 per month, it dropped down to like 1200 bucks per month, my traffic dropped by about 90% as well. Um, I was replaced in the search engines by corporate, uh, large corporate like business insider, and New York Times level of competitors who are they're all doing affiliate marketing now as a as a revenue generation, because no one pays for newspapers anymore. Um, and then so recently, I've, I brought it back. So it dropped down to about uh, thousand ish at the lowest in a month. And I'm back up to about $3,800, $3,900 a month on that site. And the month over month is growing again. And I've just been going back in. So we're not publishing new content anymore. I think I have all the posts I need. I'm I'm optimizing uh, titles for a click through. I'm really just looking through and, and the out the team I had writing it, they just there was a lot of average at best content written. And I'm just slowly but surely improving the content. And sure enough, Google's kind of like, Oh, yeah, well, th this does deserve to sit up higher on Google. So I'm getting better rankings. And which means more clicks, which means more cash flow. And um, all in all, it was a success. And it proves that, you know, that passive income is a complete lie. Um, and that like residual income is real, but passive income, I got a beef with that phrase personally, and that it just takes an incredible amount of energy. There's risk on every side, like Amazon cut commissions in half during that period. That was right during, you know, right as I started making money. So it's like we entrepreneurs, we take risk on, we, we literally lay it, layer it on the shoulders and we move forward into the unknown with data that doesn't seem like it's stacking up eight months of publishing as fast as we could for like maybe a dollar total earned. And most people just give up in those phases. But I had known from building my channel, and from building my wife's brand that the momentum really kicks in after a year or two. So it was like, full speed ahead, no matter what, we're, we're making it to a year plus on this, no matter what, there was no doubt there was just that pure commitment of go, go, go. And sure enough, the numbers fell right in line as as expected with uh, a few crazy twists along the way. Man, there's so much to unpack there. So <laughs> yeah. number one, you are right in the middle of that, uh, you know, April 2020 is when Amazon changed the commission rate there. So if they hadn't changed the commission, just so people know, your site probably would have made more like 18 to 24,000 in yep. November, yep. December. My, my specific world got cut in half. But as all Amazon affiliate know, uh, Amazon affiliates know, although we sell like this widget, uh, you get credited for all kinds of crazy products, right? Mm -hmm. Like I see toothpaste, uh, laptops have been sold through my clicks, which I have nothing to do with laptops. So, um, but the bulk of what I do in that space, it, it would, yeah, literally got cut in half. So it could have been as high as $20,000 per month in November of last year. Amazing. And then the December 2020 update hit. So for the people that don't know, uh, what, what was that update targeting? Um, me, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Google got beef. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I believe, and I didn't do much research. There's a lot of people who they just, they go so into like, why did that happen? And something I feel like we, as you get more experience in this world, something happened, period, like something must have happened. And then just like, I don't really care why. Um, I go look at my data, I go look at my my website, I believe from a non data driven guess that they're applying the YMYL kind of ideas, which is your money or your life. Um, 
they're applying that to more niches. At first, that a couple of years ago, that was the medic update. It was in the medical profession, and it was to keep people from saying things like um, essential oils, cure, like lavender oil cures, insert scary disease, right? We can't have that ranking on the top of Google. And so Google's brought out what they call the EAT, which is expertise, authority, and trust. Um, so if you are an expert and you have authority and you're trusted links from very trusted sites, you actually can rank for those kind of keyword phrases, but, um, brand new mom blog dot biz won't be able to rank for those phrases because they don't have those EAT indicators. So I believe that I was missing a lot of those EAT indicators because it really was a made up persona. Like I wasn't the face of the brand. I was, it was a byproduct of the case study itself. I was trying to hide behind my laptop and show that anyone hiding behind their laptop can just rank and make money, which is kind of true. But when you step out into the forefront and you really like, it's part vulnerability and it's part commitment to your audience. But when you just step out and you're like, I'm just going to be the most helpful person in this space for my people. And this is me and let's go it actually can really, really improve your rankings now at this point in time. And those are a lot of the factors that I've been layering on since is um, real people, more pictures. Uh, I didn't have any unique pictures on any of my posts. They were just the Amazon images, right? So we're, we're adding on pictures. We're adding on more how-to articles and more like really deep dive in, um, you know, not just best blank for blank kind of phrases, we're, we're adding on a lot of the how to and supportive stuff to make the website a greater resource, which shows that we're experts, because we have all the how to, which makes us authorities, and therefore we can be trusted and surprise, surprise, the website's attracting a lot more backlinks now as well, because we're writing better, we, we had a lot of extra better content written. Um, how'd I do? Did I pass? What do you think it was about? I also don't know. And I think, I think you're right as we get more experience and it's just, it's less interesting for us to yep. like go explore the algorithm updates, but yep. the, I because like they're perpetual, of, they never stop. There'll be another one. And, and if you spend all your time like backpedaling, you, we're going to make these decisions based on these backpedaling kind of weird versus what does Google want? Google wants the most valuable content that is actually truly useful for the audience, right? The highest utility value content. That's what Google wants to show. So a searcher gets their question answered the first time. So was my content actually answering their question or was it being very self-serving trying to get my affiliate links up as high as I could? Uh, it didn't take much beyond opening my page and looking at it through a, an honest lens of like, oh yeah, this is, I'm pretty much creating search engine spam um, in exchange for a visibility type scenario. How much affiliate content, like affiliate reviews did you have on your site? And the reason why I asked that is I, I did hear some of the, you know, more recent updates have been essentially targeting affiliate sites because it is best product name for yeah. some usage versus, you know, like you said, you, you, you're adding how-to content, more informational stuff that seems to help. So how much percentage-wise was it back then? Yeah, it, it was probably 90-10 or like 95-5 on the best blank for blank. We just went after every single one. I'm still probably 80-20 tops. Um, and and the rankings are, are really starting to come back. But I, I think a lot of it is also just the the Google's always changing things. They're, they're trying to figure out how to get certain really bad actors out on a broad scale. Um, and if you think about it, like, so when you Google things, do you see Wikipedia showing up on the top of Google all the time anymore? Not as much. 
Not really, right? And a few years ago, like Wikipedia was always there. It and and it's like, did Wikipedia do something wrong? Like, no, it's like it's an incredible human experiment. It's like a living library. It almost shouldn't work, right? You, you would like it, Wikipedia almost shouldn't work, but it does, and it works beautifully and brilliantly. Um, but even Wikipedia is no longer dominating the search, and that's just because. So Google was built on an algorithm. The original coders who built the Google algorithm no longer work for Google. They all had stock options and they have cashed out and they are incredibly wealthy. They probably either retired or they've spun off their own businesses. We have literally generation two and generation three of software engineer who are now trying to code on top of an algorithm that other people wrote. So they're like, okay, how do we get rid of these bad actors from the algorithm? And they tack on code because they don't understand the original code base. And there's always going to be collateral damage. And this is so they don't even know they don't even know what they're doing. And they run in these test areas and then they roll it out. And all of a sudden, this this whole world that they didn't think was going to disappear, just poof, gone. And then they backpedal and they try to make updates and they try to fix this without with, while leaving the bad actors off, but bringing the good folks back. And it's perpetual that's like literally there, there's an entire division at google with probably thousands of engineers just always banging on it and always working on that so we need to just kind of keep moving forward and i think the ideas of building brand are huge um so if you go to youtube and if you type in miles beckler on youtube that autocomplete just fills why because people trust the miles beckler brand to deliver really good value so when people are doing a lot of branded search that helps on every level of the game um building an email list I have no email list on that website. It's a total opportunity. Um, it's not actually an opportunity for me because I have other things that are more valuable and more important. But for most people, if you want to build an email list. And if you're only on YouTube, it's probably good to start a blog as well. If you're only on a blog, you might want to start a YouTube channel as well and starting to diversify the traffic sources. And this is just thinking like a CEO. And a lot of affiliate marketers get into the game and they really just think like, this is a little make money online hack. They maybe bought the passive income idea. Maybe like I'm going to do one website and then somehow magic's going to happen and I'll be able to live in a hammock on a beach for the rest of my life drinking Mai Tais. Um, the truth is there's always work to be done. Um, we're running actual businesses here. I run a digital publishing business. And as a CEO, I want to make sure I don't have one point of failure in any one of my brands. And that's why I have multiple brands is because just having one brand ultimately at some point becomes one point of failure for the business. And I got to throw an asterisk in here. Don't start two brands at once. It's like nine times more difficult to start two websites at once. Um, you got to get one into massive momentum. I like to use the rocket ship analogy. You have to reach escape velocity. It takes an incredible amount of energy to get a rocket ship going six miles an hour vertical. But once you break that atmosphere, a rocket ship can carry on at 13,000 plus miles per hour with incredibly minimal amounts of effort. So you got to get your website to that point, which takes generally years, not months. And then am I diversified? Is it time to start a new brand? Is Yeah. And that's when you start to think more CEO level. And this is how we can start with a shovel and a pile of manure in front of us. And then eventually we can kind of look at it as in like, I'm running a ranch here. And what actually do I need to, you know, my fences over here, should I get a couple head of cattle? Um, and we earn our way up to those bigger picture questions and thoughts. You highlighted a great thing there. And I know I see it, you must see it. 10 times as much is people in a hurry. And I would say, you know, give your projects two to three years before, mm -hmm. I mean, you can shift around a little bit, but 
Yep. So many times we see, hey, and how can I make 10K a month in three months? And, oh. you know, it's it's pretty tough unless you have, you know, a lot of money and capital and resources to invest, plus expertise. And I think, you know, as you are with your beautiful analogy of shovel and manure, like you get better, you get better skills. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to stand there in front of a pile of shit with a spoon. Yeah. Yeah. You One spoonful spoon. at a time. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like eventually you get yourself up to a shovel. But at this point in my business, like you're right, I'm hiring a dude who runs a bobcat that has a skid loader and he goes a bucket full at a time. Right. And, and that is, uh, it's a blessing. And, but it's, it's a blessing that I've earned. Right. It wasn't gifted to me. It's literally uh, made my first dollar online in 03, 18 years ago. I spent seven years failing business model after business model after business model hit with my wife's business. Then I spent six years doing nothing but working on that website, never going to guru mode. Man, so many of the gurus in this game today, they get one little ounce of success. They've been at the game for six months. They have an outlier and then they make a $2,000 course about their outlier. And they haven't seen the penguin updates, the panda updates, the hummingbird updates of 2010, 2011, 2012. I lived through those. I thrived through those. I watched people go from making 40 grand a month from sitting on top of Google in those days to zero because they disappeared. Like there were some really s- sad and sketchy stories coming out from those those days. So I lived through those kind of difficult times and now it's just my perspective has changed. I'm like hardened as an individual. And that is Georgie the dog there scratching. Hey, lady. Yeah, getting a little scratch. Georgie yeah. getting some scratches. You're all right. Yeah, so stretch it out there. That's so, awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the luxury. I need the, I need like the, the Georgie. The dog cam. Yeah. Yeah. Now a quick word from our sponsor, Ezoic. You probably heard me talk about the Ezoic site speed accelerator, which is being retired and it is being replaced by leap L E A P. And depending on when you listen to this episode, it might be out already or it could be on the way. So here are some fast facts about Leap. Number one, it is free. And Ezoic is replacing the SiteSpeed Accelerator with Leap prior to the Google UX update. Leap will be completely free when using Ezoic's monetization, that is the ad tester. And Leap includes all the features and tools needed to achieve good core web vitals. And I'm reading the copy here. Good is italicized. So maybe I would use air quotes. I'm not 100% sure what good means, but it's definitely not bad and it's positive. So it's going to be helpful for your core web vitals. Leap is the new tool set, a new tool set to uncover and fix the root causes of poor load times. And Ezoic will provide data on how various technologies and hosts affect all sites. So there's going to be a lot of cool data. You can sign up to uh, be notified. I think it's pretty easy to get to. It's um, link in the description. All right, I'm not going to read out a a link here, but you can sign up to be notified and you can start using it right away. If you're using Ezoic, you'll be able to, you know, hook right in. Now, check out Ezoic Leap. Thanks for sponsorship 
And uh, if you're not using Ezoic, if you've never checked it out, if you're not quite sure, go have a look at the blog. There's tons of great information. And I really like working with the folks at Ezoic. Let's get back to the interview. Let's rewind and talk about some something very actionable here. So yeah. you your site got hit in December. Traffic went down. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of oh shit moment that many SEOs end up experiencing. It's a rite of passage. Oh, yeah. We all have to go through 100%. it. So how did you assess uh, what happened? And then how did you formulate your plan to recover? Yeah, so... My, situa- my situation was a little unique because I was outsourcing everything, right? This was a passive income experiment. Can I literally just throw money at it and make it work? So the first thing I did was um, I paused all uh, expenditures going in the same direction we were going in, okay? Uh, now, for someone who wasn't investing money and they were putting their time in, the first thing to do is stop, Because technically, we did something that Google does not approve of. And I can't dig in my heels and get mad at Google because I think I'm doing things right. No, no, no. The data clearly states that that we are out of alignment with what Google wants at this moment, which could have very well been different than what Google wanted the day I started that website, right? These are the algorithm changes. So we just stopped and took a breath. And then it was, let me go into Google Search Console and start to look what dropped most in impressions and what dropped most in clicks. So on Google Analytics, you get great click data, but on Google Search Console, you get the impression data. And generally impressions are a leading indicator. What an impression means is that you actually showed up when a searcher searched. You were one of the options for that person to go see. Then I looked at, I think I found like five or six posts that, and I looked at Amazon too. So I was like, okay, what products have been selling like crazy? Okay, so then I could kind of almost reverse engineer one, two or three posts they were on. This correlated directly with the posts that dropped the most in the impressions. Bingo, I know which specific posts, a handful of them got hit the hardest. Okay, so I had a little short list, like literally a TXT notepad file, fancy technology to run this here. Um, And then I just opened them and I read them. And that's when my heart sunk. And that's when I was like, oh man, like I, they've been, they've been publishing rubbish literally. Like, so I've been paying people to go full speed ahead with this really intense content because everybody knows more content, more content, right? Like 2000 plus word articles focused on specific keyword phrases, fastest pass to 150 of them gives us a really good chance of winning. But if the content sucks, that's a problem. Google's going to want to find a way to get that out of there. And that's when I was reading. And so um, they were, some of the recommendations were just flat out wrong, right? It was, it was literally like the things being recommended weren't actually the right, like it was so far off that I had kind of a minute of like, oh my Lord, we've been running in the wrong direction. And then from there, it was literally like, okay, how do I fix this? I go into one post and I improve one post because that's all I could do. So everybody else was done. At this point, it went back on my shoulders and I was like, okay, clearly uh, experiment kind of sort of maybe worked, but but hashtag fail. And I just chose one and I went and improved the one. And I just sat there with it. I opened it up. I had it open kind of like as it displays in one tab. And then I had the, the WordPress editor open in the other tab. And I just was like, okay, this intro stinks. Like, how do I make this intro better? And I made it a little better. And the title sucked. And I was like, how do I make this title more compelling? Um, and then I looked through the recommendations and I fixed some of those and just, just, I spent time with it. Right. I just sat down and kind of did the, the, uh, unscalable work of improving that piece of content. 
And then I was like, man, that, that's, that's a lot of work. And like three or four days later, I had enough energy to, to do another one. It takes me two to four hours. And over the course of maybe two months, um, I just went in and proved most all of them. And um, things started picking up pretty quickly from that point on. How about that? Amazing. So you just <laughs> doing you the work, in. like be, <laughs> yeah. being good, like, like trying to get good content out and realizing that, that we had rubbish average content out and like actually making it more useful. I think, so I'm really on, I've said utility value and the word useful multiple times because people are like, oh, right. Valuable content. What does that mean? Value. It's, it's such an abstract concept, but I think useful, right? Like, like, is this useful? It's like, yes or no. Like this pen, very useful. Love it, right? Um, a pen that's not useful is a pen that doesn't actually write. It has a weird color or so. You, you would know a pen that's not useful versus a pen that is useful. So it's like, is the content useful? There's a human being searching for an answer or a recommendation or something. They're searching for or a how-to. They're searching for something. They're taking time to try to improve something. Is my content actually useful? And I was able to look at it and be like, that's not useful. So I made it useful. And then I did it over and over. And I probably manually went in through, um, like I would say 30 ish posts. Um, and now I'm going to delete a bunch of stuff that, that really just isn't ranking. It never really worked. I'm going to delete and redirect to the most relevant other piece because, um, there's just a lot of stuff that, that never worked because the 80, 20 rule applies everywhere. Um, but I totally jumped on top of you and you had something interesting to say. So I apologize. And I would love to know what that was. I don't remember. I have uh, the attention span of like a goldfish, I think. So I'll, I'll forget mid-sentence sometimes. Fair enough. But w one thing that might be useful for people who are thinking, oh, uh, useful uh, and helpful content. Imagine mm -hmm. someone has an overflowing toilet. They Google that. So if someone has a problem and you can help them solve that problem and think of an urgent problem like the overflowing yep. toilet. That's something where it's very clear if your content is helping them or not. So right. sol solve their problem. Right. Literally actually solve their problem. Like, and, and people think that affiliate marketing, like succeeding in affiliate marketing, like there's some sort of a hack, right? What's the trick? What's the hack? And the hack or the trick is to create hundreds of really helpful posts that really actually do what's required to help the user better than any other post out there. Um, and it takes time, it takes energy, it's difficult, but like we're entrepreneurs. We never expected this to be easy, right? Cause the easy path is getting a job and working for someone else and letting them deal with creating useful products that the marketplace values, right? And we just stamp a piece of paper and slide it across the desk and make our 13, $17 per hour. Like I did when I was a customer support representative, I got yelled at for $17 per hour. And that was the amount of value I could bring to the world. And now I take on the risk to create more value for more people takes a lot more time, takes a lot more energy, takes a lot more strategy. And obviously the upside is remarkable compared to the job. But, but if somebody wants easy, that's a day job that that's, that's punching a clock for 40 hours. That's actually the easy path. Being an entrepreneur is magnitudes more difficult with risk, but the rewards and the lifestyle on the other side of it are just like, like it, it ain't like, I mean, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> Unlimited upside really. Unlimited. Yep. So just, just to recap, so it sounded like you, you went back and you improved yourself about 30 articles or so. Yep. 
and it took, uh, you know, three hours on average for each one. And you mentioned that you were kind of aware of the topic area, but you're not an expert. So how'd you go about the research there? So in the early days, we hired a researcher. So I found someone who was going through a master's program in a foreign country, Guatemala, who um, he for 10 or $12 per hour. So he had, he was hands-on with these things, doing a master's program focused in this world. So way more like experience and expertise and access to it. So he did all of our reviews and our rankings. So I did a lot of trust in his recommendations because those were already laid out on each post, right? So I didn't fiddle with those too much unless I found dead links that needed to be updated from there. But that was literally, I just outsourced that sort of thing. And this for someone listening, like, oh my gosh, I can't outsource that. Um, Yeah, you you probably should be writing about stuff you know about, right? Because if you can't actually help people, what are you doing, right? Like, like the goal is to help people. Like I didn't make a YouTube channel teaching people how to make money online when I didn't know how to make money online, right? Like I wasn't broke trying to figure it out. I wasn't Gary Vaynerchuk document don't create that actually. So let's say I want to learn how to trade options. Uh, the last person I'm going to follow is someone who's failing repeatedly in public view, but someday they're going to figure it out. Like, are you kidding me? Like, no, I want to go find not only an expert at options trading, but somebody who also knows how to communicate effectively, right? Because there are two totally different things, right? I, you need to be like expert to me in options trading as you understand what all the freaking Greeks and what those words mean. Um, but you, they need to be able to communicate effectively, essentially. And so we're all looking for helpful guides. And a helpful guide is always someone who has walked that path before which is a big part of why my brand has done so well on YouTube is because I've walked that path before, including the seven failures over like, I mean, the dozens of failures over seven years. Um, Like I've walked all those paths. So I really understand the audience in that sense. And I think way too many people are actually being very haphazard with their niche selection. And then there's someone right now who's like, well, but I'm not an expert in anything. Um, Then the question goes to what are you willing to become an expert in? And it might take you three years. So if you, let's say uh, bird watching, for example, um, I have a few bird feeders. I enjoy them. I'm definitely not super experienced. I don't know that much about bird watching or backyard bird feeders. But if I read seven books on bird watching, I would be in the top 95 to 98 percentile of people on this planet who know about bird watching. Seven books. And here's a hack. I probably listen to four of them on Audible because I don't really like reading. It puts me to sleep, but I can listen on Audible while I'm out in my garden or while I'm working on my snowboard mountain or what I'm while I'm doing other things. And that's it. Like it just takes time and, and like, oh, I can't afford Audible. Go get a library card. They're free, right? Like there's just, there's, there's never an excuse. And it's just, the thing is people are going to just keep looking for like, okay, I want a real business, but I don't want to do the work and I don't want it to be risky. And I want it in three months. It's like, well, I'm sorry, you've watched one too many webinars and the passive income guru boys are like lying to you. And it just like, I'm sorry that you want to be a building a business to be what it isn't, but that's just not how the world works. Therefore, and I remember this in my life, I had a point I was because in that seven year period where I was jumping around from business to business, I was doing a lot of like, a lot of like business in a box and MLM and, and me too marketing schemes, right? Just buy into this marketing product and then resell the marketing product. Cause there's clearly going to be another greater fool as global as you to buy in. And I tried all of those things 
And they all, like every once in a while, I make a little money and they came crashing down. And then I go looking for the next shiny object. What's the next silver bullet? What's the next scheme? Um, and then I remember one day, like literally, I was like, oh my gosh, like these are never going to work. If I want to build a real business, I'm just going to have to effing do the work. And it was like a depressing moment. It was like the freest, it was like one of the most freeing moments of my life. And from that point on, I was like, oh, cool. Like one keyword, one post took me five, six, seven days, whatever. Okay. All right. That one's done. Next one keyword, one post. And it took me a little bit less time that time. Okay. One keyword, one post, a little less time that time. Um, and our, our brands touch the lives of tens of millions of people a month right now from, from that simple, slow, not fun, difficult, definitely not glamorous process. Most of the work is done, uh, you know, with the ass in the seat and the keyboard and you're just you're working or standing desk, right? You're standing, like, we, yeah, we can, you stand, right? So, like, it yeah. doesn't have to be ass and seat. Like, please move a little bit, but but it is. It's like, like doing the work is the thing to do, and the work is, you know, find, commit to an audience, figure out like how you can help them, and then figure out what they're looking for. Where's that overlap? And then just go create the most helpful content. And your first article is not going to be that useful. That's okay. You'll get better, and you can always go back and improve it later. Like, just just go get into motion. And so many people are like sitting on their hands, trying to figure it all out or looking for the shortcut. And it's like, you know, if you had followed, so a lot of your listeners have been following you for a long time, right? Uh, you've been publishing videos for years now. And a lot of them have literally not started and they keep watching you. And if they had just freaking started when they first saw your first video, and if they were like, fuck it, I'm in. And they just did it. They would have real businesses right now. And they probably wouldn't be watching this. They'd probably be too busy building their next piece of content because they get it that it's actually really simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. And they would be doing the work because as we do the work, our income goes up. And as the income goes up, life can get really enjoyable on many, many levels. I've lived in 20 plus countries. I have a 20 acre property right now. I literally have machines on my property, like carving into the hillside to improve a snowboard run because I have a freaking private, like it's, it's stupid and it's awesome. And I love it. And like, so last year I could snowboard down this one section and then I had to unclip and kind of kick to the next section. And then I could drop the next section. Not no more. I got some bobcats up there and bucket and literally moving it. So I will be able to like rip the whole thing in one run because I don't care that it's costing me $3,500 for this earthworks. I want to be able to snowboard on my property because I I've created that ability to um, just do what the fuck I want. Like it's, yeah. it's, amazing. It it's because amazing. I've been doing the work is I've been doing the work for 18 years straight. That's why that's yeah. the key. That's the trick. It's the long, long-term consistency. Just like, like you said, it took a little while to write the first article. And then, I mean, it's the same way for all of us that are getting started in, in a new, th new thing here. So yeah, you want to learn how to play guitar. I see a guitar behind you. I've kind of wanted to learn how to play guitar, but I know that that learning curve is long and arduous and I've never committed to getting through it. So I can't really play a chord. I can't do anything. And like, you're like, dude, it's like three chords and you can start to like, if you really got three chords down, you could start to riff. And I'm like, yeah, but it takes mm -hmm. practice and time and energy and, and well, everything. I, I was going to say, I've been re revisiting. I, got, I recently got a new guitar and I have a post-it note right here that says something to the effect of like, I'm, I'm making slow progress because I'm trying to learn finger style, which is much, gotcha. much different. So it's like a, a child, like if someone heard me, if you heard me playing Miles, you would think like a little kid's playing and they're just picking up their first guitar for the first time. Like it's, it was that slow, but right. over the course of a month, it's been actually amazing. But just like you said, it's like 
<laughs> really slow progress and I'm getting a little bit better each time. So you have to put in the time. It's so easy to buy the guitar. It's yeah. so difficult to actually learn how to play the freaking thing. It's fun to buy them though. I'll tell you that. But, <laughs> totally. Uh, and, and well, camera equipment is the same thing, right? Like I still work off a, off a webcam. I got basic stuff, but like so many people are like, I'm going to be a YouTuber. So they go spend like $3,000 on DSLRs and microphones, this, that, the other. And it's like, that's the easy part. Like, good luck making a video. Like that's the tough part is actually doing the work. Yeah. And I, I can't remember uh, who I heard uh, say this, but essentially it was start doing the work and then you can get the equipment or the the stuff, but don't get the stuff and then try to figure right. out how to back into mm -hmm. it. So I eventually got some of the camera gear that you're talking about, but I did. And it looks great. A lot of like, by the way, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, no, totally. And it looks great. Um, but like I started my whole channel on my phone. I just, I just found like a little, um, uh, like tripod holder. And then I realized my audio wasn't great. So I got like a plug-in lavalier microphone for $30 and I made my first that. And I've got this like old Plantronics headset. That's like USB. Um, yeah. I still use it from time to time. Like it's the same one. I bought it like seven years ago for 20 bucks. And it's just what I've used to make hundreds and hundreds of videos that have touched lives of millions of people. Cause it's, it has nothing to do with the tech. It has to do with the fact that a, I can actually help people. And then B, I have a willingness to show up to do the difficult work of, dissecting my actions and really building a piece of content that actually when somebody says, I want to learn how to do keyword research, I really actually break it down. And I've actually researched hundreds of thousands of keywords over my career. Like, and then I show them every step with insights on why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it and, and how to interpret the intent, not just get the keyword, you know, it's, it's these things. Like I don't have to do that. I could just keep building my brand, but I wanted to give back to the community and I wanted to build a second brand and, and that's the path to the success I desire. A lot of people are interested in outsourcing their whole site or even a, a full business model, right? They, they have uh, good jobs, they have more money than time. And I mean, that's why you did that case study. I tried to do a similar one that I actually fizzled out from and got disinterested before it even took off very much. So are there any tips that you can give for people that are stubbornly perhaps still thinking, I really want to outsource it and maybe you can frame it in what went wrong with your particular case study? And could you have maybe if, if you knew what you know now a year ago, could you have shifted and avoided the whole issue in December? All right. That was like three questions and I want to get to them all because they're super important. I hear this a lot. The first key thing is if it was possible to simply throw money at an internet-based business, every hedge fund in America, every family office in America, every billionaire, every centimillionaire and decamillionaire would have massive, massive brands in this space because it's easy and they have a lot more money than you do. And I don't care if you're a lawyer making $400,000 a year or $600,000 a year, you throw money at it. Like these funds have insane amounts of money. Look at what BlackRock's doing with real estate in our country right now. They're buying up all of the houses at huge valuations to turn around and rent them to people because there's that much money seeking yield in our current economy, right? Byproduct of the Fed. There's a lot of macro reasons why that is true. And if it were actually possible to just throw money at something with no expertise, and generate an asset that generates cash flow consistently over time, 
Wall Street would have already been all over it. There would be ETFs, there would be funds built around this. Okay. So like, I just want to bring some real world data as to like some perspective, like get your head on straight. So what it takes is it takes actually the reason I was able to get this thing kind of sort of where I got it to was because I've been through the process so many times. I've ridden the ups and downs multiple times before, and I knew what to expect. I knew the first eight months were going to be terrible. I knew there was going to be no results. I think my content, so I had a project manager helping me manage the content, and I believe it was month four, and he was like, this is where I would quit. He's like, I'm done. And I was like, well, lucky for you, you're making a salary, and I'm paying you to do it anyway, so shut up and do it anyways. And it took four more months for money to come in. See, I knew that was going to happen. My conviction was so strong through my experiences that there was no doubt in my mind that I was going after it. Um, and I looked at it as a real estate investment. So instead of spending $50,000 on another rental property, um, it was like, could I put it into here? And, and ultimately, for me, it's a way better uh, investment than, than real estate. But that's because I have so many experiences. Um, now, if I were to do it again... Um, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. It was a distraction. And this is something I've learned more as a business owner. The opportunity costs are often significant. So my channel, I launched, I, I worked with, I did this affiliate launch on my YouTube channel recently. Um, it's bringing in $17,000 per month from this one launch. And it brought in about 30 grand in a month. Okay. So I don't mention this to brag. I mention this to give clear perspective as to what my time is actually worth. When I build promotions, those promotions bring me generally tens upon tens of thousands of dollars in relatively short periods of time because I built all of the, the supporting skills. I know sales copy. I know email marketing. I know Facebook ads. I know how to build funnels. I know how to create these things that people want. And had I applied all of the hours and time and money to furthering the Miles Beckler brand and creating little products and creating things that my audience actually want, instead of like flexing to show it was possible, I would have done so much more and I would have way more valuable assets for me and my brand over time. And this is a, it was shiny object syndrome. I got caught up in it. I've been doing this for a long time. Y'all are tired of me explaining how many years I've been doing this. And I still got caught by shiny object syndrome. And it happens to all of us. And it's something that we have to be observant of. Um, with that said, like I've got a $3,000 a month asset. It's paying, I just bought a, uh, like a sprinter van, like a decked out sprinter van RV that was like $185,000. It's paying for that every month. And my dream home, this property I was telling you about, like it pays for that. So this website in and of itself with no, it takes two hours a week of managing at this point, um, like, you know, fix one post a week. It, it's paying for my life. So worth it, yes. But the opportunity cost was real in that sense. And for anybody who's like, I want to figure out how to outsource this all, you're going to have to be extremely meticulous and it probably would behoove you to just do the work the first time yourself. Now you can hire researchers to get you outlined. Like you just, I was not meticulous enough with the quality assurance of every piece that got published that my, my biggest mistake was allowing my project manager to go from keyword idea, research article to blog without me ever reading it. And I know what's good and what sucks because I've been involved in this industry for so long. For someone who's never actually built a website, they don't know what's good. They don't know what sucks. They haven't done it yet. And God, you just, God, sometimes you just got to do it to really understand how it works. The second one is way easier than the first one, but it might 
be a big time opportunity cost, right? Building a second website that generates three grand a month could have actually kept you from scaling your current one from five to 15. So yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, that's perfect. And I was going to say a lot of times I will encourage people to, you know, double down on their, their first site that is getting traction versus, you know, splitting their time and getting distracted yeah. and maybe thinking, oh, I'm going to start five other sites right now. Cause now, now I have the formula. And if they just would have put all those resources into the first one, one. it mm-hmm. it's going to have a better ROI 90% of the time, probably. And so. within our world. So like if, if we start in a niche, we get really specific. So like the bird, the birding thing is something I mentioned, right? So let's say we did, um, like backyard birding for cardinals, right? Like, like a specific bird, like, like you want to attract the red Arizona cardinal. So I build a little website that starts to make 12, 1300 bucks a month with that. So here I can actually start to go broader as I have authority, right? And so what we do is we keep all of the energy focused on one site. So that domain authority, the, the trust flow of the site continues to grow versus splitting the energy out. And you can go from, you know, backyard birding for cardinals to sparrows and swallows to backyard birding to backyard bird feed, like up, 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 up. Um, I think, you know, expertphotography.com, Josh Dunlop's a really good example of this in, in the photography space. Um, he was unknown in the photography space six or seven years ago, found a little niche and like astrophotography is one of the areas he got really well known at, but now he's, he is one of the best known photography websites out of all, like, like in the freaking world. And it's just like a dude that I kind of know. And like, we've hung out before, like, and it's, it's, it's nuts, but he started in this really specific niche. And he just never let his focus shift beyond that one site. And he's doing, I mean, six figures a month from that website right now. Um, and I think that's a big part of that is because he has maintained uh, just definiteness of purpose to use Napoleon Hill's phrase, uh, just that intense focus on one for the whole time. Amazing. Astrophotography, huh? Yeah. So like the starry, the starry yeah. sky stuff. Um, and I'll, like, I, I totally want to get into it. It's one of those gear things that like, am I really going to jump into that world? Like it's yeah. a quick way to like drop 10 grand on stuff I might use. Like, yeah, mm. I was going to say, I have a couple lenses and I kind of got in into it a little bit. Um, actually I was going to say I was that cool in high school that I actually got like a point and shoot camera and I would like tape down the, uh, shutter. And I mean, that's how awesome I was in high school. That's imagine cool. I got a lot of dates. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. We haven't talked about link building at all. And I am generally a proponent of promoting a site versus not. And yep. I'm curious, you know, you got your site up to a pretty awesome earning point and revenue level. So did you do any link building? If so, what did. did you do? Yep. Okay. Totally. And uh, so domain authority is 23 on that site. So it's not huge, but it's pretty good. Um, and it has something like 700 total backlinks from a, a couple hundred sites, which I bought maybe 30 or 40 of them. Um, so uh, this is, it's going to come off like a plug because I can only just uh, say who did it. Uh, the guys at reach creator, uh, he's uh, Steve Bronley out of the UK. They do very white hat. They write the link magnet for you, uh, which is like a post I publish on my website. And then they go literally promote the link magnet to get other people to, to link to it. And they come up with these kind of creative angles for the niche that that make it kind of a link worthy piece of content. Um, 
it's something people can do on their own if they want. Like, you know, if you don't have money to throw it, it's expensive. People are going to go to reachcreator.com. They're like, oh shit, that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah, because it's a stupid amount of work to build backlinks. But the thing is, it works. Um, so on that, I'm, I'm trying to think on that particular site. So on my site, um, Haro, help a reporter out. And that's because I'm like a personal brand. Um, so Haro has been a great source. And I've there's teams you can hire to do the Haro for you. Um, essentially, it's uh, reporters are looking for sources and quotes for a piece that they're publishing. And if you if you get quoted, you get a good backlink from it. Um, so like you can actually get like Forbes and like really big brand uh, backlinks. I think I got one on Bluehost for the Miles Beckler domain. And it's hilarious because I talk smack about Bluehost because they're owned by EIG and they're they're part of like the evil hosting world that all this. I hope you don't promote them. Shady affiliates promote Bluehost. Sorry if I called you shady. No, I, um, I, stopped, I stopped doing it after I couldn't get support from them. Well, that, because it's huge corporate owned and there's independent hosting companies that are far superior. Anyways, I thought that was ironic that I got one from them. Um, so then there's another one that's like authority.builders. I think that's, um, is that Matt Diggity's thing? Um, and then there's another one, nobs.link. And those two are marketplaces where people are saying, hey, I've built a website up over here. If you want to buy a sponsored post on it, you could buy a sponsored post or like a niche edit where they go in and edit. Um, I, I don't think I'll ever do those again. I, I don't know if those had a negative impact because if essentially if somebody's selling a bunch of links from a website and Google figures that out and works its way back through all the sites they link at because they got one or two spammers tied in and you bought from the same site that sold to a bunch of spammers, there's the potential of being guilty by association. And if Google's like, yep, everybody who's touching that site is obviously like they did some shady stuff. They're all blacklisted. Um, so I felt like there was too much risk on those for me. Um, yeah. Got it. And I didn't buy that many, to be honest. Like I did one run and, and it, it, helped and it was like cool i just wanted to seed the authority is what my thought was awesome okay very good and i think um you know to your point of the guilt by association i have a feeling these days that google probably just discounts those links versus like yeah. throwing the baby out with a bathwater. i think you have to probably really exceed some dramatic threshold before you're yeah. penalized, which can happen. I've had negative SEO hit one of my sites and, you know, at some point you, you trigger the manual penalty. So yeah. e even with negative SEO, which Google's, I, I think pretty good with that. Have you had any experience on. with that? Nope. No, I haven't. Um, but like one other thing I want to say for sure is like no PBNs. I don't do PBNs. I don't think PBNs are a good idea. And that's a private blog network for those who are wondering. Um, I think there's the risk reward is just way, 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 way off for that. Um, and it sounds like a magic bullet, but it's not. Um, so, so I do no PBNs at all. So it's all, I try to find the real actual white hat links where they go hustle up and they go do outreach for me, um, which is what I would do if I had time. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. Marketing the content is just as important as creating the content. Right. And, you know, with PBNs, I, I use them back in the day, but just as a reference point, I mean, that's the stuff people were doing in like 2012 to 2014. And yeah. it, to be fair, it still works. And I still have friends that yep. use some form of a PBN or they may have their own network or, or whatever, but it's the same stuff that people were doing like eight years ago. So I yep. mean, Google's pretty smart. They've kind of caught up 
for a lot of yep. things. The so. risk reward profile has changed, right? The, it used to have a lot of reward with a little risk. And at this point it has some maybe reward for taking on risk. And it's like, do you really want to risk your asset? Like me, I want this because again, so this asset is paying for two important liabilities in my life. It pays for my mortgage and it pays for my dream car right now. Like um, my dream RV right now. So it's like, I don't want to risk that like at all. Cause if it just, if those, if that one thing pays for those two things forever, like hashtag winning, right? Like that's all I wanted actually to do. So at this point, what are the plans for this site? Um, man, like I want to put in one to two hours per week max and have it continue to make three to five grand per month and just to let it be an asset. So I, I ran the numbers on, um, Empire Flippers, I could sell it for about $197,000. Couldn't pay for my dream car and my dream home with $197,000. Plus, I'd have a huge tax bill on that. So uh, cash flow. Um, I'm a huge believer in the rich dad, poor dad kind of idea. Robert Kiyosaki of, um, you know, wealthy people collect assets and poor people collect liabilities. And I didn't really know the the difference. I grew up in a working class, poor uh, family. And essentially like an asset is something that puts money into your pocket every month. And a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket every month. So the home you live in, unless you have roommates who are paying your mortgage, uh, the home you live in is technically a liability, right? Your car, unless you're somehow like doing Uber all the time, um, your car, unless it makes you money somehow on its own is actually a liability. So what we do is we can build or buy assets to pay for our liabilities. And when we get ourselves into a position in life where our kind of residual income from the assets that we've built or bought is greater than our expenses for life, you've achieved complete freedom, 100% complete freedom. You are no longer required to go to a building you don't want to go to, to do a thing you don't want to do, to make the money to pay for life because the assets that you built or bought pay for everything. And we've never really lived in a time when it was so easy to build the assets. Like that's what you teach, right? That's what we do. And that's what we've been talking about nonstop is literally building assets that can actually pay for life. So I'm going to just like really make sure this not, not make sure I'm just gonna let it do what it does, but just spit out cash flow. I'm going to refresh the numbers. Like every day I had a $210 day. I haven't had a $200 day on that site from Amazon commissions in a long time. Uh, so that was a very good thing to say. And I'm just going to like, maybe have a fired up hour or two every week to go in and try to improve something. But other than that, I'm just going to like, don't touch it. Don't fiddle with it. Don't break it. Google likes it again. It's working. Let's just let it go. Um, what would you do? I, what should I be doing that I, that I clearly am planning on ignoring if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Thanks for asking. Cause now it's not unsolicited advice. <laughs> yep. So, um, I, I would potentially figure out how to train someone to do the one to two hours per week. Now you could still do it, but yep. it's, I think it's a little, um, you could train someone to do it. Now, maybe you didn't have the right person. Maybe they didn't have the right scope, but I know that what we're doing is sort of simple. You do need to have the right context and experience. And even if you had a primo writer that was an expert in the area, if they don't know SEO, if they don't know the content world, 
there's a knowledge gap that you have to fix up. But that said, the things that we're doing are fairly straightforward and well, hell, we learned how to do it, right? So if we can right. learn how to do it, it right. just, it's a matter of training and then making sure that you have the right oversight and checkpoints so that, you know, things don't make it out published uh, that you, you know, didn't have a chance to look at. And right. I'm not saying you have to, you know, look at every single thing. You could just spot check things. But I think at that point, you know, you can still do your one to two hours to keep you close to the work and you can maybe increase the throughput of the whole yeah. thing. Potential so, for sure. And are you, I know from some of our other conversations, like you could benefit from outsourcing more, right? Is that still the case? Um, I mean, that's, I think that's always the case, right? Like if you look into a business, it's, it's people move things forward. Um, like, like, yeah, there's automations, there's AIs, there's little useful tools, but at some point, like human beings move things forward. And it's the the number one way to get leverage on the business. So, yeah, I've, I've been kind of working on uh, bringing on a copywriter to help me write some sales letters and stuff. Because, again, it kind of comes into that opportunity cost world for me of like then hiring that person becomes the task and then managing that person becomes the task. And it's kind of like, you know, I've got these a few of these things over here that are just um, it's, it's playing a four figure game when I've got a five figure game over here that I'm playing. Um, yeah. It's it's a blessing, hundred uh, percent blessing. But um, I don't know. I kind of almost had the idea of like giving it away at one point as like a, a list building thing. But it's like that's like giving away a Bitcoin that might become a million dollar Bitcoin. And you look back like that thirty thousand dollar Bitcoin I gave away was actually worth like two point three million dollars in seven years. That was not the smartest giveaway. So right. um, who knows? Gotcha. Uh, so it, it's a blessed position, and I, I acknowledge that, and I honor that. But I, I hope it's kind of encouraging to people because. Like I started this stuff, YouTube wasn't even invented, right? Two, it took two years for like the first video, which was a dude at a zoo. And then it took like five years for YouTube to become something that people actually taught stuff on instead of like cat videos and like America's Funniest Home Video Replacement. Um, so like the age today, like it is absolutely easier today to build a real business with your bare hands, to build a real asset with your bare hands. It's easier today than it's ever been before. WordPress, oh my Lord. WordPress makes it so delightful. Like try coding things and publishing in Dreamweaver. Like what? It was horrible back in the day. Um, like everything has gotten easier. And I feel like the willingness to do the work has gotten farther away. Uh, mo more and more people want the result without doing the work, which just means that for the ambitious segment who's listening to this of your audience and my audience, um, it, it is ripe for the picking. Like every niche is literally ripe for the picking. It's just a matter of how long, how many posts, how much effort is it going to take to get there? Find the one that you're willing to just commit and go all in on and, and do it. And then you get to this beautiful place where I'm at that you have options. Option, and none of the options are alarm clocks or, or commutes or like, or see, I haven't worked a desk job in over 10 years at this point in time. It's, it's absurd. I've lived in 20 countries around the world because I have options. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I'm tired of living in the tropics. I want to be in the pine trees. And I bought a 20 acre freaking. it's insane. Um, and options is what you build with this stuff and anybody can do it. And it's easier today than it ever has been before. hundred percent. So I have one other suggestion and cool. I'm pretty sure you don't have any display ads on the site, right? Correct. Correct. Now hear me like out. throw Ezoic on it or something. Perhaps Ezoic sponsored okay. the show and everything. But I was going to say as a consumer of the web, I don't love ads and I, I think 
actually this happened the other day. Actually, I, I went on a little rant on uh, my podcast not too long ago, and I was just like, "Fuck ev- fuck everyone!" And I, I was like, you know, maybe I, maybe I took it too far, but you know those sites where you're reading the content and then the ads move all the content and then wow. you can't read, yeah. especially on your phone. And then there's like a video yeah. and or the video follows you around. You scroll and now the video is like following you and you're like, there was something here I was interested in. It's like, I'm on my phone. I only have like two yeah. lines that I can read and it's moving around. So uh, the, the point is ads can be done poorly or they can be done in a way that is somewhat helpful or at least it's not going to screw up the full experience. So would you consider putting ads on there? Hell yeah. On this thing, for sure. On the Miles Becker site, no way, right? Like I don't even run ads on my YouTube videos because it's like YouTube YouTube ads have gotten just crazy. And um, if anybody's watched ads to get to this point, thank you for your patience and, and working your way through them. I understand the role that they play. So, um, but on that website, I, I, I would absolutely, I think it's doing like 20,000 visits per month or 20,000 visitors and like 23,000 visits per month. Does that qualify for Ezoic? Yeah, so e- thanks for asking. It's like they sent you the copy read, but yeah, they have removed the page limit. So Minimums. okay. It's kind of cool. They have some pretty sophisticated software. So I mean, when you think about the advertiser, they just want to get in front of people. They don't care right. if your website has a hundred thousand or a million visitors a month. Right. They just want more page views in front of the right more people. More views, more eyeballs, hundred percent. It's a technical problem to serve up and have the real-time auctioning going on. So Ezoic has the technology to be able to display and, and sort out and make sure it's on a high quality site. So advertisers are happy. So yeah, you, you would qualify um, with 20,000 or e- even less. So Cool. Yep. Yeah. Like, and on this site, that's one of those things. So if you think about my perspective, right, it's like, okay, so there would be implementation, put this code here, sign up, do that. And then I don't touch it. And I obviously will monitor like my page load speed, which would go down a bit um, because we'd be pulling Mm -hmm. ads from somewhere. So that has to slow down the site a little bit. But at the same time, like, I don't know, my rankings hold, does everything else hold? Because if it all holds, it's just additional cash flow from an asset that I really plan on neglecting. Um, actively. So, um, that, that fits that that's, that's the, you know, one week's one hour bingo. And all of a sudden it spits out an extra, um, do you know what kind of RPMs? Like, I know it's totally different on different niches, but like for people listening, that's revenue per thousand. So per thousand impressions, um, or per thousand ad displays, it's RPM is kind of the number that, that we, um, sellers of ad space use to, to monitor. I don't know. So it's highly variable. However, oftentimes I will hear from people that earn about 50-50 of their revenue. And it sounded like you had the content sort of skewed to the product reviews, which is okay. Um, You know, one should- I don't care. (laughs) I mean, if people are looking for products, then those ads could show up for the products. But but generally, I have seen people basically throw ads on their site and then the revenue will with the same number of visitors will go up by, you know, 40% or, you know, so it could, it could be very dramatic. Um, And it just sounds like a good test, right? So for everybody else, like, I'm not just like some, some dude who's like, "Ah, how do I milk another dollar out of this? Like, like, cause the way I'm thinking about it is I've been very anti-advertising. So I don't let ads on my YouTube channel. I ran an experiment with ads on for 60 days. It did not go well on my YouTube channel. Um, And I've had, I've never run ads 
from a major network on any of my main websites, we get 500, 600,000 visits per month from all my websites combined. Um, so it would be like a little test to finally like actually play the the game a little bit because I know there's people, um, uh, Dykstra, John Dykstra, do you know him personally? Have you ever I met do, him? Yeah. Okay, um, never met him, uh, read his stuff. And like, I think he only does made for ad type, like, and his philosophy is that all the affiliate marketers are clogging up the best blank for blank phrases. And there's all of these other like massively high traffic phrases, like, um, how to flambe, uh, I'm way out. Like, I don't know. So some <laughs> random how to stuff. Um, and, and you, you can write there. It's easier to rank because there's less competition because they're not merchantable. Um, they're not, you know, they're not like e-commerce related phrases. So he ranks, drives massive amounts of traffic and makes all his money from the ads. Um, so like, and I've been paying attention to him, um, a bit kind of thinking like, ah, oh, that could be a fun experiment at some point in time. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe today is the day, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's worth checking out. And, you know, on that note, I, I have a site that is, it's on the younger side. It's about a year old and it's just starting to take off. I publish roughly 50, 50 informational versus uh, product review type content. And the informational is taking off more. And I think I'm just yeah. going to lean into it kind of for that reason. And it's a little yep. bit different than what I normally do. But I mean, for a long time, just like you mentioned, Miles, I, I mean, I, I don't personally like ads, so I can right. get by without doing it. But at some point I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, but we run ad blockers on everything. Uh, yeah, I run ad blockers on everything. Like I don't see ads like YouTube doesn't play ads because I have ad blockers on like who doesn't run ad blockers. But um, I, I, can I I want to I want to highlight something you just said. So you started building another site. Don't really know the backstory. Your, your audience who knows you probably knows why and when you started, but you just started building. Okay. And now you're at this point where you're observing what seems to be working. You're not like, this is going to work this way or else like you're, you're flexible. You're doing the work. You're showing up. You're doing the work. I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to go in this direction. And now the data is kind of like guiding you. That's what we do. And everybody wants that moment of being guided. Like which way is it? What's the right thing for me? And it's like, I don't know. You just get an emotion and you just start to course correct. You just pay attention to what's working, what's not. And you just do more of what working. The reason my, why my site's doing so many um, best blank for blank is because the first few ones we were like, they, they just started working. They just freaking work. So I was like, well, do more of what works. It clearly is working. Go for it. Right. And um, you can't steer a parked car. I had this old Datsun growing up. It was a Datsun 510. Loved it. Like coolest freaking car ever made. But it was such a pile of shit. Um, I would have to like bump start it myself. So I would literally like push it from the bumper or from the trunk. And then I'd run in and jump in the seat and drop the clutch to get it started because it had like some electrical problems. But like you, I couldn't steer it unless it was moving. I had to push it into motion before I could turn it and actually move the thing. And there's so many people trying to steer a parked car. They're trying to un understand how it all works and where they're going to end up. And then da -da -da -da, before they take any action and you just, you jumped in, you started, and that's why you're successful. And that's why it's like, you have the skill. I have it too. We, we built this, this skill and the knowing, like we're never going to go hungry ever. Like, like you're always like, you have the knowledge, like I can just go build something if I need to. Or if you decide that you're like, you know, miles, you're, you talk too much shit about Lambo bros. And I really want a Lambo. You could just go build assets that would pay for a Lambo, right? $250,000 car. What would a note on that be? 
$2,000 a month, $3,000 a month with insurance. I don't know. Like you could just go build it if you, if you really wanted it, right. It ain't coming out of savings. You go spin up some new website about pickleball paddles or something. And that website would pay for the crazy stuff you want to add on to your life, not just the other stuff you want in life. And it's like, that's what I really hope people step into because you're pretty much self-taught. Like I'm totally self-taught at this stuff. Like nobody, nobody deemed us. There's no college degrees. Like we just, we just made a decision and a commitment to start and to stick with it long enough. And I just, I hope more people make that, that commitment because it's absolutely life-changing when applied with consistent effort long enough. Um, Mm -hmm. the challenge is we humans are so, it's so difficult for us to delay gratifications. We live in an instantaneous gratification world. And, and that's the one thing people have to get comfortable with is delaying gratifications. But once you do, it just, the world opens up. It's a pretty good niche. The pickleball stuff. My uh, in-laws play that. I think uh, with COVID, they play outside with their old active community neighbors. You know, do you play pickleball? Do you I know have, this? I have played once. I have a student who's doing extremely well in the pickleball space. Um, it's, it's hot, right? It's just one of those hot games right now. And, and people play it once or twice. And I've heard of people like putting pickleball courts in their backyard. And like, that's the, there's in the direct response marketing world, they say, find a, um, what is it like an obsessive, um, like an obsessive niche where people like, obs- and golf has been used a lot, but I think golf is overused as an example. Um, cause it's kind of toned down, but I think like fishermen hunters, um, like in, you know, pickleball is one of those new things. Um, I was in Panama and they were having like tournaments at this place in Panama I was at. And it was like, you got to play pickleball as I played. And it was like, it's like 92 degrees and like 80% humidity. And you guys are running around. This is stupid. Like, let's go surf. Like, let's get in the water. Like the ocean's right there. And, but, but they were so passionate about this game that they were in the, in the tropical sun, they were just going at it. And I was like, okay, these folks are crazy. Like, this is a great niche. <laughs> Yeah. Passionate stuff. I was going to say, I, I have a couple of them and it's like guitars and then beer, yep. our mutual friend, uh, Matt Giovannisi, you know, he and I have been brewing some beer together. Totally. So, I mean, he built yeah. a freaking brewery at his house. Right. And like, do you know, is it what Scott's baselessons.com? You ever checked his stuff out? No, I don't know. That so one. that, that goes into the world of like Facebook ads and funnels. Um, he's actually pretty good at that stuff. So you can like look at his Facebook ads and, and he's a, he's a pretty good direct response marketer and dude loves base. He teaches base and he runs Facebook ads into a funnel and he's just dominating, just dominating at, at what he loves. So his life is now taking that thing he loves and he plays, he makes, vu- he makes music, he makes videos, he shares his love with the world. He's making more than enough money to live. Like, Oh my God, like mm-hmm. how awesome is that dude? And I think if more people lived kind of like in alignment, like at a soul level uh, with, with something they just mildly enjoy doesn't have to be your passion like something you mildly enjoy and you get to really commit your life to that world and and that's how you earn your income is doing something that you even mildly enjoy i think our world becomes a better place right because there's just more happy people around because people aren't like grab grab fire work and boss and fluorescent lights and i hate it all in the commute and blah blah cubicles and like like it's horrible right but instead you have freedom of time you can hang out with your kids with you when you want you you know, the work has to get done, but like, man, it just, uh, I think our world would be a better place with more entrepreneurs living in some sort of alignment. Well said. Well, Miles, this has been fantastic. Is there anything that I should have asked you that, that I forgot to? I don't think so, man. We, we kind of wandered, uh, aimlessly, I guess. Um, when are we going to get to bump in and, and hang out in person? I was, I was hopeful to be through Boulder, 
with an event that that fell through so maybe next summer we can do like a barbecue let's oh here let's throw uh let's throw a barbecue at matt's house and let's because i heard he likes to cook i don't drink but he'll make me some hop water at least and uh we'll get some hop lark from from your local spot and then yeah let's throw a barbecue at his house so when is the barbecue happening at matt's house is the question you should have asked me that you didn't i will you know what <laughs> i i have to go and pick up some beer from his place very soon. Okay. So I, I will check. And I, I agree a hundred percent. He has a great view awesome. of the mountains. He has a much bigger yard and cool. Uh, Georgie isn't super friendly uh, with, okay. with strangers. So uh, Matt's spot will be perfect whenever you guys are through here. Sounds good, man. I appreciate your time. And uh, just thanks for continuing to beat the drum, right? Like you're just, you're, you're one of the good guys. You're, you're doing the, you're doing jaws work here and I appreciate it. Oh man, thank you. And where can people find you? The the YouTube channel, of course, where yep. else? Uh, I'm the only Miles Beckler in the world. So you just search Miles Beckler and I will show up. I'm pretty good at SEO. So I've, I'm dominating the first page. But um, if you want to chat, Twitter is like the place to chat. I, I share a little bit on Instagram, but my most of my content comes out on YouTube. Um, but if you want to say what's up, just follow me on Twitter and say what's up on Twitter. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks a bunch to Miles. It's always good to catch up with him. We could talk for hours. I haven't met Miles in person, but I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, he'll be passing through Colorado here before too long. and We can meet up. So, I want to give a quick plug to my other podcast, Mile High Fi. We talk about personal finance and financial independence. My friend Carl Jensen, who has been on this Doug show at least two times, he and I just kind of shoot the shit and talk about those topics with, that we just mentioned. Carl has been retired for a few years now, I think four plus years and legit retired. So he does have a blog where he makes a few bucks, but he really just does that for fun. So anyway, it's a fun show. You can find it on any of the podcast directories, Mile High Fi Podcast. So we're calling it Mile High Fi Show. Honestly, I think, ah, oh shit, I, I can't remember. But you can head over to any of the directories, look up Mile High Fi, and that's H-I-G-H. You got to spell it all the way out there. We'll see you next week. Have a great day.